Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. This podcast is dedicated to all those out there who have osteoarthritis. On the show, we unpack the truth and demystify the myths about the disease and its management. If you have joint pain and want to know more about how to manage it from the world's best experts, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, it is time to welcome your host, David Hunter. Hello and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. This week, we have the privilege of discussing the Osteoarthritis Action Alliance. Despite affecting over 250 million people around the world, being a leading cause of disability and premature employment, and causing substantial individual and socioeconomic impact, osteoarthritis is often a silent disease. Many people with the disease suffer needlessly in silence or accept this as part and parcel of the aging process. Despite the tremendous impact osteoarthritis has on physical health, social participation, and mental health, there's also a pervasive ignorance on the part of healthcare systems to take this disease seriously. Recent efforts, including having osteoarthritis recognized as a serious disease, are important steps, but at this point in time, they have not led to any meaningful change in healthcare systems or policy to reduce the impact of osteoarthritis to individuals or the society they live in. The Osteoarthritis Action Alliance is a coalition of organizations committed to elevating osteoarthritis as a health priority and promoting effective policy solutions to address the individual and societal toll of osteoarthritis. This is important work and something that's sorely needed. And the purpose of this episode of Joint Action is to examine the need for this type of organization, look at the work they're currently doing in this space, and discuss where this might be heading. And we're joined by none other than Lee Callahan, the director of the Osteoarthritis Election Alliance. Lee 
is the director of the Osteoarthritis Selection Alliance. She's also an epidemiologist and outcomes researcher who for more than 30 years has worked in musculoskeletal outcomes research. Her research has focused on outcomes and quality of life in individuals with osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, patient reported outcomes and measurement, physical activity and arthritis, social determinants and health outcomes, health literacy, and complementary and alternative medicine use in rheumatic diseases. She's also the Professor of Medicine and Associate Director of the Thurston Arthritis Research Center, as well as the Director of the University of North Carolina Core Center of Clinical Research. It's focused on enhancing the design and conduct of clinical studies in rheumatic and musculoskeletal diseases. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to chat with you today on Joint Action. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to have you here, and it's good to see you, albeit at somewhat remote distance. I'm not not sure where it is that your uh, your background is, but it looks it looks absolutely lovely. It's a lake in Western North Carolina called Lake Lure. Yeah, another place for me to travel to when we're allowed allowed to get back on planes at some point in our in our distant future. Now, usually when I start the show, I try to get to know. Uh, the guests a little bit better. We've had obviously the privilege of spending a little bit of time together in the past, but uh, both for myself and the listeners, I'm just going to try and dig into who Lee Callahan is a little bit further. But if you had to describe yourself in five words, what would they be? The words I'll use, and I'll see if you agree with these words or not. I'm flexible. I think I tend to roll with the punches and uh, sort of take things as they come. I'm friendly. I enjoy interacting with lifelong colleagues and friends, but I also like to meet new people and find out what's going on in their lives. I'm positive. I try to, I say I'm a glass half full kind of gal. I'm actually often accused even by my project manager, Betsy, of, you know, being Pollyanna when I say, oh, well, maybe it's best we didn't get this grant funded. You know, we'll have time to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm a uh, energetic. I like to be physically active. I've loved walking all my life. I like to play tennis, ride bikes, snow ski, scuba dive in Australia. And I'm a lifelong learner. Yeah, wonderful qualities. And it's uh, great that you can share that with us. And I don't think we have enough Pollyannas in the world. So don't don't let Betsy discourage you. (laughs) From a professional standpoint, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do on a, on a day-to-day basis when you're at work? Yes, I juggle a lot of different balls. Uh, I basically uh, wear a number of hats, and we're going to focus today on my uh, Osteoarthritis Action Alliance hat in this podcast. Uh, and in that, I'm, I'm working with individuals to make sure we're moving forward on the mission and and meeting our goals. But in addition, I'm a researcher, as you noted, and I have a a lot of interest and over the years have looked at some of the ones you mentioned, social determinants in health, uh, health literacy, and I also have an interest in mortality and outcomes in rheumatic disease. And then the The third big hat I wear is I'm the associate director of our arthritis center, the Thurston Arthritis Research Center. So there are a lot of administrative duties around that. But I do think in all of the roles, I am a mentor and a teacher. I have students I work with 
students from high school seniors all the way through to postgraduates, medical students, and junior faculty. So that's an important part of every day, I think. It sounds like your plate is incredibly full, and I admire the energy that you bring to all of that. And, uh, you know, obviously the, de- the dedication you've had for a period of time on there. So you touched upon this a minute ago, but really interested in getting to know what Lee does when she's not at work as well. What do you, what do you enjoy doing outside of work? Well, as I noted, I'm a walker, uh, and I, I have two dogs, an Airedale Terrier and a Weimaraner. So we spend a lot of time walking and in the woods and have even picked up our mileage some uh, during the COVID pandemic. And I also love when you can go to attend live performances of opera and classical music. And I like to read, do crossword puzzles, Sudoku's, jigsaw puzzles. I've done I've read a lot more and done a lot more puzzles during this pandemic. And I think, you know, I'm an avid Tar Heel sports fan, particularly Carolina basketball. So I really enjoy attending the games live when I can or watching them on TV. It's fascinating watching the rivalry over there in college sports and having had the privilege of my son being over there for a little while. It was, it was fun watching it a little bit more closely as well. I guess the thing that I, I want to pick apart there is also the, the jigsaws. You mentioned jigsaws. What type of jigsaws? This might be oh, something we have in common. Well, I like, you know, any type of jigsaws, but I've really gotten into these jigsaw puzzles called Liberty Puzzles. And they're wooden puzzles made in Colorado. And each individual piece has an an incredible shape and you don't work them like you work normal puzzles. It's not like you do edges because one of the ones I've done is a hawk. And so it'll be the shape of a hawk. Yeah, no, we've, we've, we've done a few of those Liberty puzzles. Um, and oh, I've got, yeah. actually got one of New Zealand right behind me, uh, my home country, but I also do quite a lot of the, the big sort of three, 5,000 piece puzzles um, when, I, when I've got a little bit of time over the holidays. Yeah. Um, but something I love, I love to do with, uh, with our daughter. Um, but anyway, I'm, di- I'm digressing from the topic of the day, and I, pro- I probably better. I love to find another puzzler. <laughs> <laughs> I probably I'll, I'll show you the one in the in the background in a second. But uh, let's get let's get into the topic of the day. <laughs> now, really want to dig in t- and learn a little bit more about what the Action Alliance is, what it does, um, where it's headed, and and how you see it going. But I guess in the first instance, if you could just tell us a little bit about the Action Alliance in particular, its its mission and goals. Sure. The Action Alliance uh, was actually mobilized by the Arthritis Foundation and the Centers for Disease Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, in response to the publication of the 2010 Public Health Agenda for Osteoarthritis. And that was the first time a national blueprint for how the U.S. should deal from a public health perspective with OA had been created. And that agenda had 10 basic strategies, and they felt like a coalition needed to be mobilized to implement the strategies. 
And so the, at the Alliance, we envision a nation where osteoarthritis is prevented and managed to improve the quality of life for Americans of all ages. And the Alliance is committed to elevating OA as a national health priority and promoting effective policy solutions. And when I say policy solutions, I mean both environmental and system solutions that aim to address the individual as well as the national toll of OA. Yeah, no, really, really important work. It looks like you were going to carry on and tell us a little bit more about some of the goals as well. Yes. So the Alliance, it's been managed here at the Thurston Arthritis Research Center since 2014, and we now have over 120 member organizations. So it's not like one thing, but it's a it is definitely a coalition. And our work is sort of carried out around five major goals. The first goal deals with invoking policymakers, and that's invoking policymakers at all levels, not just national and state level in the United States policymakers, but people who can make decisions in communities or in schools and trying to encourage all of those individuals to make OA a public health priority and reflect that in their policies and allocations and funding decisions. The second goal is around fostering communities to build capacity. And we want communities to be able to build capacity to prevent or manage osteoarthritis by either disseminating information or resources or providing programs that have been designated to be appropriate for people with osteoarthritis and then supporting the implementation of those interventions. The third goal is around mobilizing health systems and healthcare professionals, and we want them to proactively identify and address OA in their clinical care, uh, because most people with other chronic conditions, or many people with other chronic conditions, such as cardiovascular disease or diabetes, also have osteoarthritis, which might be preventing them from doing things that would help their health overall. So some of the things we're trying to do is incorporate decision prompts in medical records, have people think of physical activity as a vital sign, or encourage healthcare providers to refer their patients to community-based programs that are arthritis appropriate. And then the fourth goal is focused around engaging individuals with osteoarthritis and engaging their family members or their spouses or partners, caregivers, with strategies to minimize disease progression and to optimize their quality of life. So again, that's focused on getting them to do things that they can do to self-manage their disease, whether that's physical activity, weight management, injury prevention, or falls prevention, or uh, just overall self-management education. And then our last goals really focus more on primary prevention, trying to prevent people or delay people from getting osteoarthritis. And that's focused on injury prevention as well as weight management. That's superb and a lot of wonderful work I know you're going going into there and I just want to dig into I guess a couple of those topics and explore them a little bit further specifically about how you're going about doing it and what success you're having and I guess in the first one I want to dig into is that about policy and, and I guess advocacy. How is it that you're going about doing this? Who is it that you try to engage with to, to make differences as far as policy is concerned? And what strategies have you found 
to be most successful in engaging with policymakers? First, we try to educate. That's our focus. We're trying to educate, particularly on the national level, about the burden and the impact of the disease. So we've developed policy briefs for each state that focus on the numbers of people who are affected in their state by arthritis, the impact on quality of life, breakdowns according to certain areas in a state. And we try to provide those to legislators in the states at the state level, as well as at the national level by the state. We also really have found, you know, a lot of that is you're sending out information and and we've found that we're much more effective if we engage individuals who live in states and have them provide the information to their lawmakers. So we've partnered with other coalitions, the Arthritis Coalition, and also we've tried to encourage when we provide community-based organizations many grants and they've had successes, we try to give them information that they can bring to their lawmakers. At the school level, we've, we're trying to work with various schools, obviously not to talk so much about osteoarthritis, but that's where we're really trying to educate about injury prevention and trying to help them with tools where if they have student athletes that they could be trying to have their athletes use our remain in the game tool to prevent injuries. But we've been told wisely by the soccer coach at UNC that don't talk to coaches or athletes about osteoarthritis. Talk to them about staying in the game. At that level, they don't care about what's going to happen in 15 or 20 years. Yeah, very true, very true. And we, you know, I think that primary prevention angle is something that is really, really underdone for the osteoarthritis community in general. And I think joint injury prevention, particularly around neuromuscular training and getting people actively engaged in that in sports is so important. We've got a podcast coming up soon with Tim Hewitt specifically talking about joint injury prevention and focusing down down on that as, as a real opportunity. Coming back to something you were talking, talking about before, and I think it's really the second goal was engaging with communities. What activities have you done part of the Alliance in terms of engaging with communities and getting communities more aligned with the activities that that you're doing so that they can meaningfully be engaged in, in supporting your work. Some of the key activities we've done, we have uh, provided small seed grants or mini grants to community organizations to have them try to offer arthritis appropriate interventions. And we've really focused on the specific intervention walk with ease in the Alliance, but we encourage any appropriate. One reason we've focused on walk with ease is that you're able to deliver it in a community setting or people are able to do it in a self-directed or hybrid fashion so they can do it at their own pace or do it at home and we have developed a lot of tools around that and what we've tried to do is develop a whole community resource page where community organizations can come and get information about how to advertise for a course, how to give a course, what types of things they will need, any type of help. And then we we also try to provide technical support. 
so that we can people who we've given the mini grants to we offer calls routinely where they can give uh, lessons learned or things that they have done that were winners in their community and then we share those across the various groups it's fantastic and really, really important work and I strongly encourage you to continue to do that. Now, are there any particular activities that you want to highlight other than the ones you already have? Uh, I think what I'd like to highlight that works in the communities as well as for individuals is our development of a uh, portal. We call it walkwitharthritis.org. Anyone can go directly to it. And on that portal, individuals can sign up for the self-directed course and, and receive a workbook. And then as part of that, they receive motivational emails from us every week, telling them of where they should be along the way in the workbook, giving them tips or hints to if they've run into a snag. And then we also have a video that sort of introduces them to the walking program. We call it our class zero, uh, where it's about a five minute video and says, you know, this is what you can do. And that has been fortuitous that we had developed that prior to COVID because now the community centers cannot offer group classes. So they've been able to send people to our portal. Plus we have been able to market through social media and encourage people to use the portal and use Walk With Ease uh, and learn how to walk comfortably and safely during this pandemic. And we actually have people from all 50 states, Canada, and we even have two people from Australia who have used our portal. So we're getting uh, a lot of use out of the portal and we developed a lot of other things that could be useful to the participants uh, related to COVID and have added that. Sounds like a great way to encourage that physical activity, which is, uh, as you as you intimated, has been a little bit more challenging during these uh, lockdown COVID periods. I interrupted yes. you were just about to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, so, so that's one thing I wanted to highlight. And the other thing is I wanted to highlight, we've developed a lot of tools for care health professionals. And so those are also available freely on our website. We have a, we call it OA care tools, which is for primary care providers. And that's for everyone, not just physicians, physical therapists, athletic trainers, the whole group. It has nine modules where people can just come in at the point that is useful for them. We have a a toolkit for pharmacists and and then we have a weight management CME. So we're trying to develop a lot of tools for patients as well as tools for people who take care of individuals with osteoarthritis. And uh, it might be a good time then just to plug the website itself. oaaction.unc.edu is for the uh, Osteoarthritis Action Alliance, but again, it'll be in the show notes just in case you couldn't interpret my uh, poorly worded English. It's hard with all those A's. <laughs> it, is a, it is a little bit of a mouthful. But where, where is the organization headed and what are, its, what are its future plans? Obviously, you're doing a lot of great work at the moment, but where are you, where are you planning to take it? 
Well, um, one of the things we've done in the past year was to update the 2010 agenda. We realized as 2020 started approaching, it was time to look back and see what have we done towards meeting the goals and the strategies in the 2010 agenda and what's left still to do. So we published in early spring 2020 the 2010 20 updated public health agenda. And that has nine strategies and they're focused around weight management, physical activity, injury prevention, and self-management for interventions. And then also focused around other activities uh, such as delivery of in-systems research and health equity. We realized that the four sort of intervention areas were still highly important. And so we're going to focus on those, but try to take it to the next level and think more creatively about our delivery, what changes are going to result as we live in the post-COVID world, what people will be willing to do and how we need to be meeting people where they are and what they may want. And we want to involve stakeholders and people with arthritis even more in our activities. Really, really important and valuable work. Just to, I guess, just asking a couple of questions about that. So you mentioned that you revisited, I guess, the 2010 uh, goals as part of looking what you wanted to do in 2020 and beyond. Were there any that you'd found particular success with or that were no longer relevant? There were not really any that were no longer relevant. We had 10 in the initial and we went to nine, but a little bit of that was more the way we restructured or worded some things within. What is useful for public health interventions are still there. There's still a big need to examine our healthcare systems and see where we can plug in referrals and communication between public health and the care that's being given in the healthcare system. I think we recognized that probably we've not done enough in terms of equity. And I will say, you know, from the Alliance's perspective, we've done a great job reaching women and reaching individuals in urban areas and reaching white individuals, white, particularly white women. You know, we reach men and people of color and people in rural areas, but not proportionate to the population. And so that is going to be a big focus of ours is to try to make sure more of our programs and materials are in Spanish, trying to partner with rural areas and figure out how that we can meet the needs there and try to see how men can be encouraged to be in various programs more. And I might just explore a couple of those a little bit further, because I think they're relevant to most countries around the world, not just the US, but particularly, I think looking at the systems of delivery, and I'm not sure what you mean specifically by that term, but there is a lot of disconnect and fragmentation within our healthcare system. And obviously, there's a lot of different healthcare professionals that can get engaged in a person's care, uh, you know, whether that be their primary care doc, their pharmacist, their physio physical therapist, orthopedic surgeon, other specialists. And more often than not, they don't talk very well to one another and oftentimes communication breaks down. But do you have any insights, tips as to how you're going to address those sorts of issues? No. <laughs> <laughs> the, honest, the honesty is brilliant. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a huge, it's a huge problem. It's a it's huge germane, germane. problem. Yeah. And 
I know it's a problem everywhere, but I do feel like some countries, at least countries that have more universal health care, there's a, a little a little easier than the approach in the United States. And right now, our approach has to be to work through our member organizations. I mean, we have you know, the American Physical Therapy Association and the National Athletic Trainers Association and family medicine and nurse practitioners. And we feel like we've got to try to reach out to all of those groups. We had nine different primary care groups involved in our OA care tools development because it has to speak to all the different individuals who see people with osteoarthritis, uh, orthopedic surgeons, uh, rheumatologists, the, the whole group. And, you know, that's where certain things like where we've talked about, if we could get physical activity as a vital sign, you know, if, if you could get something in, in the electronic medical record, that might make a difference, but it's hard. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to have a longer, longer chat to you about it at some point because it's so, so important. But the other, the other thing I just wanted to get your insights on, because I think, again, it's so important. And given your, your background and interest in social determinants, it's one that's critically relevant to osteoarthritis is the inequity of prevalence of the disease. So it's much, much mm-hmm. more common in people who potentially socioeconomically less well off. Uh, there's a lot of disparities with regards to delivery of care, particularly with certain uh, race and ethnic groups being underserved as far as the care that they receive. Where are you going to start? I think the first step is to continue to educate so that people realize the disparities and that for us to be, you know, when we're partnering with groups to say, we want you to focus on people of all socioeconomic levels or and we want you to target groups that have the largest need. Uh, we're big partners with the Movement is Life group in the United States. They're one of our member organizations and we're trying to work with them in terms of how you reach out to different populations. But it, it's not going to be a quick, easy fix. And, you know, we've always done kind of the low-hanging fruit. It's been easy to partner with certain groups like area agencies on aging and senior centers. And now we're going to ha- need to think about who do the uh, rural farmers look to? or what is important to a Latino group. We've started trying to build relationships with faith-based communities in the United States and partner with some black churches uh, because a lot of people are getting health information in their churches. So it's gonna take going to different groups and developing partnerships and not sort of swooping in, but really establishing relationships and understanding from their perspective how can we be helpful yeah i mean i think a a big part of it is is obviously recognition but also working with those groups so that it's done in a way that's thoughtful and i guess understands their particular needs as well for the action alliance is there anything further that you wanted to say about the the action alliance or any particular resources or links that we haven't mentioned that you might like to highlight i'd just like to highlight No, there's not anything else. I'd just like to highlight that I work with the best staff on earth. (laughs) 
and I'm very happy and proud of what they do to keep the ship just going full steam ahead. And so I just uh, want to acknowledge uh, Kirsten Ambrose, my associate director, and say, give a big shout out to our entire staff team and our volunteers and steering committee, because that's what makes all of this happen. You've got a wonderful team, and uh, I know they, they greatly respect you as well, Lee, um, and hope you can continue doing that really important work. Now, moving on a little bit, and this isn't necessarily just talking about the Action Alliance, but more, I guess, broadly what, what Lee Callahan's doing in the world. What's your biggest challenge with your specific role right now, and how are you going to overcome that? I think the biggest challenge, uh, and this would be in the research world, in our arthritis center world or in the Action Alliance is sustainability. Um, and that's always a challenge. It's a challenge for coalitions and it's a challenge for research units and particularly with this uncertainty and the world and uncertainty about how that may affect federal funding. I think we all need to be looking at diversification in how we get our funding, whether it's more sponsorships or foundations or uh, broadening that. So that I think is going to be a challenge across the board. Yeah, economically, I think uh, there's a lot of people doing it tough and that, that obviously includes people who are working in research and advocacy groups as well. And I would imagine that'll probably be the case for the next few years uh, from an economic perspective. Things are going to be pretty tough. Now, if you could do anything to improve health and healthcare, what would you choose to do? I would try to make programs and interventions available and relevant to all individuals who can benefit them from them. I think it's back to our earlier discussion about social determinants. I think having interventions and healthcare, but you know, from my perspective working in the public health arena, having the public health interventions available and relevant to everyone who could benefit. Yeah, equity is a big, big problem. And as you, as you intimated before, I think some of the healthcare systems that are a little bit more socialized provide a little bit more equity in terms of care, but you know, I, I guess Australia is held up as one of those paradigms of having a wonderful healthcare system, but there's still a hell of a lot of inequity here as well mm -hmm. that we ideally would like to address further. Now, the nub and the heart of one of my questions for the podcast here is probably something that you think long and deeply about. What, why do you do what you do? What, what makes you tick, Lee? I like to make a difference in people's lives. And so my you know, I like to I like to do that with my friends, family. I, I want to make a difference and be helpful. So in my work, I feel like a lot of what I do is trying to improve the quality of life for people with arthritis. And you do that. And I continue to admire all of the wonderful work that you do and hope you can continue to maintain the energy and enthusiasm that you've currently got for that. Again, this is probably a little bit selfish on my part, and I, I love to learn from people like yourself, but how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things within your role? Well, I listen to podcasts like Joint Act, <laughs> and then I read the literature and attend conferences, you know, virtually now. But I also I just learn a lot from the day-to-day -day interactions with my colleagues uh being being 
a collaborator on studies and you're, you're listening to really bright people suggest this or bring up this idea and then it makes you think about it and go research that area. So I learn a lot from people like you. Thanks Lee. Appreciate the support. Now, is there anywhere that listeners can connect with you or Osteoarthritis Action Alliance online or is, is it the website just the best place to go to? The website's the best place. Now, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Be physically active. Just move every day. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Very simple and salient advice and something that hopefully people listen to. Yeah, and it's right. good for so many things. It's not just osteoarthritis, but it's good for brain health. It's good for your emotional. It's good for cardiovascular disease, diabetes. It's good for everything. Yeah, I'm sold. I, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you saying that, and I'm thinking I've been sitting here talking to you for the last 40 minutes, which has been wonderful, but I need to get moving myself. <laughs> now, is there any one piece of advice, knowledge, or wisdom that you'd like to give to people with osteoarthritis in passing? Well, I'll use the saying that the North Carolina Department of Health uses since it covers two critical areas we've talked about a lot today. Move more and eat less. Yeah, again, <laughs> very simple and salient advice, but I think it's very, very relevant to many people out there with osteoarthritis who are often, oftentimes struggling with those concepts, but it's very simple and hopefully most people can uh, deploy that on a regular basis. Now, Lee, Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm and the major contributions you continue to make to osteoarthritis. It's great to have a chat with you. Thank you, David. That is all for this episode of Joint Action. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Alternatively, visit the website www.jointaction.info to post a question, donate to our research, or send us some feedback. Between now and next time, please do take care of yourself, stay strong, and stay active. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Joint Action with David Hunter. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.jointaction.info. If you have any questions, you can email us at hello at jointaction.info and follow us on Twitter at jointactionorg. This podcast was hosted by David Hunter, edited by Vicky Duong, music produced by Jordan Hunter. The information posted on this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Anyone seeking medical advice should consult a health professional. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.